the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hope that you're doing well. I have a good friend with me, Pastor Dan Hooker from Rocky Mountain Calvary. He's one of our pastors on staff and really has a great heart uh, for apologetics and uh, defending the faith. Dan, welcome. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Things going all right? Yep. Going great. Awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about deconstruction and just this trend that's happening where you have believers that are deconstructing uh, their faith. It seems like every other week we hear of a Christian pastor, an artist, or a worship leader that has deconstructed. Uh, what is this trend, you know, when you see this going on? Well, it's, you know, knowing quite a few of these guys, whether I listen to them or listen to their teachings or read some of their books. Um, what it really appears is that we've had a culture that's lacked in discipleship. So we had been very good at telling them what to believe, but we have forgotten the question of why. And so a lot of them start to a- uh, ask that question why, and that's where they begin with uh, their questions, but they tend to take the wrong turn sometimes. Yeah. It seems like, you know, questioning in and of itself is not bad. We see a lot of people in Scripture like, wrestle with their with their faith but it seems like deconstruction is a step beyond that you know where mm-hmm. it's not just wrestling with your faith but really trying to pull it apart or break it down mm-hmm. yeah. and i i think it it goes even beyond that because there's nothing wrong with thinking critically right I mean, i'm sure when you go see a used car lot you think critically about what car <laughs> you're going to buy and yeah. and those types of things or even a new car lot you do the same thing you know what's the gas mileage You know, what's the maintenance record? You're going to check the ratings on it and things like that. Um, But this is more current for us. This is like stuff left over from the 60s when the same thing was happening about questioning. Uh, And it all goes back to uh, Jacques Derrida, who started deconstruction, which was actually something against literature. And uh, he was trying to analyze what the author's use of language was. But he said, the farther away you get, you really can never get there. Hmm. which also leads to the aspect of relativism of what yeah. does it actually mean to the reader instead of what does the author actually mean with it. Okay. Yeah. So what's the kind of the definition of deconstruction? It seems like it's just this popular phrase that gets used a lot, but what, what does deconstruction mean? It, it is when it comes to literature, it is the critical analysis of literature to try to, understand what the author was meaning, but where Dorita gets redundant is, is that the language we use today is not the same, and so we can never get there. So what you determine that it means is what it actually means. We don't use it that way in all of these articles in evangelical Christianity, though. 
Okay. So what's more of the current use of the phrase deconstruction? I think what they're trying to express is that they're, they're asking those questions and they're coming to conclusions based upon discounting everything that they've previously been taught. So whether it's a, there's been a harm, there's been a hurt, they've been lied to, it automatically discounts the previous source and doesn't have an authority. So like, for example, okay, one church did this, so all churches are bad. And we mm. know that that's not a true statement, but that's something that's happening even with constructing, uh, reconstructing what they believe is they no longer can take this side at all. Mm. So they totally throw it out uh, as a source of truth. Okay. Yeah. Well, what would you say would maybe be an, an accurate use of this phrase deconstruction? Um, you know, as, as I was, you know, reading through this stuff and going through this is like even Francis Schaeffer, you know, great Christian pastor and philosopher. He, he deconstructed when he hit, uh, Switzerland and he actually took apart what he meant, but he didn't stop there and he didn't not recognize authority is that he did reassemble the puzzle of his faith back together and it was even stronger. And even a more contemporary person, uh, someone I listened to a lot, uh, Lisa Childers, who used to be on Zoe Girl, she did the exact same thing. Hmm. And so, but what is the same thing that is happening is good that they're asking questions. So dissecting, analyzing the validity of, of the truth claims that are there and to think critically about those things. But they're going beyond that with what they mean with deconstruction to actually deconversion Yeah. after that, which is a product, a byproduct of deconstruction. Yeah, I know there was a season even in Billy Graham's life where he he really wrestled with some of the key teachings in Scripture, but came to a deeper conviction of specifically the authority of God's Word and really brought it into his preaching, the Bible says, you know, and, and you go back and you listen to him, and uh, he, he quotes the Bible a whole, whole lot in, mm-hmm. in his preaching and teaching, and and so the idea of examining your faith, yeah, seems like it can be be healthy, and I think we all do to some degree at different times and points. And you see Habakkuk wrestling in the Old yep. Testament, you know, where God says that he's going to bring the pagans to judge Judah. And he's like, God, how can this be? And then God's mm-hmm. answer was the just shall shall live by faith. But it feels like deconstruction sometimes is, is that like intentional trying to take it apart where uh, it's one thing to kind of come into some wrestling and it's another thing to kind of go look for it in, in a sense. Yeah. I haven't yeah. talked to a few people that have, uh, say that they have went through this and are, have deconstructed. It's like, there's, there's no longer the pursuit of objective truth. So, yeah. And this is a, this is part and parcel of what Jacques Derrida said is that there is no absolute truth. Yeah. And this is a result of postmodernism. And so if you want to talk, whether it's the authority of, the Bible or the existence of God or these, these things, right. Is that the personal interpretation takes precedent over actually the revelation of what's there, you know, and and the Bible is not even foreign to it. We have in, in second Peter three scoffers come in the last days saying, Hey, everything's still happening the same way. Where's this guy coming that you say is coming. And, and even in Romans uh, one is more distinct with it. You know, because it says that God has shown them what can be known about God is manifest to them. And there's a deliberate phrase in there, and it just it knocks the snot out of me. 
they exchanged the truth for a lie. Mm. So that there's a, a deliberate response to truth that they don't want it and they want to pursue the lie. And, and part of deconstruction is I don't want to believe these things that I've been taught. I want to believe and be accepted by culture. And so the hot topics in culture is the key areas where they start to pursue, whether it's marriage, sexuality, identity, whatever those things are, is they want to be accepted by the world instead of the harder road of discipleship of what God has expressed of what the truth is. Yeah. Truth in our culture has really become objective instead of there being absolute truth. And the Bible claims to be absolute truth. And you hear this phrase, you know, my truth, your truth, what what works for me, that that type of thing. And we really become a, a critic or a judge of God uh, instead of taking him at, at his word. And so it does seem to be at the core an attack on the authority of Scripture, the yeah. uh, the attack on God's authority in our lives, uh, uh, for sure. Yeah, it is, and that's that's even what Derrida was talking about. That there was, uh, it was an attack on the authority of the original author of whatever literature it was, and he was trying to have these things of language defines what truth is, and cultures de- defines what language is. So now you're having two different cultures, so you can never come to the truth. And cross those bridges. And then what happened in the 60s of the questioning of authority, which was good in the fact of being lied to and those types of things, but you just don't throw it all out, the baby out with the bathwater, is you still have other avenues of authority. So we still see that today uh, with these questions that they're asking as they're throwing out the authority that's there. Hmm. Thanks, Dan. Dan Hooker is with me from Rocky Mountain Calvary, and we're talking about deconstruction today. We've got lots more, so stay with us. We're going to head to a break. Just want to remind you, this does turn to a podcast. Anywhere that you find your podcasts, you can just look up Crosswalk Colorado Springs. We'll be right back on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. We have one of our pastors with us, Dr. Dan Hooker. He leads our school of discipleship and has a great heart for apologetics. And we're talking today about deconstruction, this, this idea of walking away from the faith that has really become a trend. And we hear more and more of popular Christian pastors and artists and worship leaders walking away from the faith. Dan, why is this such a a big deal? Why is this so important? Maybe a listener today that's like, you know, why should I care about deconstruction? I'm not necessarily wrestling. You know, why would I take the time to learn about this? I think probably the biggest reason is, um, you know, I think the question is begged is like, is the church prepared for, for such a conflict with these questions? And is it the fact that, um, We've been very good about communicating knowledge, but we haven't been very good about communicating the ownership of that knowledge personally, because it's easy for us to uh, turn into the parrot or to turn into the talking dummy that's controlled by somebody's hand. But it's another thing to become the owner of that truth and to convey that truth to other people, because it's something that you you truly believe. And so I just it's it's a question that I don't have the time to go into, but 
you know, has there been something in the history of the church that we've, we've moved from the what and the why to just the what, and we're suffering part of the confrontation of the why question with what's happening in our culture. Because if you think about it, everybody's asking why. Everything from January 6th to the elections to electric cars, whatever it might be. Do you feel like the church as a whole, we've maybe done a, an okay job of sharing what we believe, but not, not why we believe it or why it's true or some of the evidences for our faith? But I think so. And it's not that everybody uh, needs to go to seminary. And you know that I don't, I don't believe that, which is why we have our school of discipleship. Um, but it was, you know, a serious commission by Christ to teach them everything that I've taught you. Yeah. And it's, it's not just the, the what with the words and the sentences, but, you know, he walked with these people for, for three years before he was crucified. And so they got the how and the why with it while they were there. And that continued into Acts 2, as we read, uh, what happened with the establishment of the church. You know, they were going house to house, and they were teaching these things. Um, so I just, it, just, it makes me wonder if, if there has been that loss of calling people to truly believe, to truly have faith, and uh, not just to mimic other people, but to have a fully un- full understanding of who God is, what Christ has done, and why it was necessary. It seems, too, that discipleship relationship is so important because if you're wrestling with questions and you're not in relationship with a more mature believer that you can go to and and ask questions or somebody that's in your life where like, Hey, this is concerning. You should take a look at this. You may not see this. This is a blind spot uh, in your, in your life. And it's easy to just take in information without relationship. And I, I think that that's contributed as well to mm-hmm. maybe the, the shallowness of, of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the, and another reason why I think it's a, a big deal, cause it's, uh, we get information from so many different sources. And yeah. it's, you know, the, uh, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook, whether it's whatever it is, is that it, it's there uh, all the time. And uh, for some of this deconstructing is they've shifted their authority from what they might have known or what they've grown up in in the church. And for some reason, if, if you got a million viewers, you now are an authority. Right. And, it, and it, you know, it doesn't meet the logic test even mm-hmm. it, it does just mean a lot of people like watching their videos but it doesn't mean that there's truth with those videos either and so it's a big deal for us in the church and the fact of realizing that there's all of these sources of of information and whether it's false information or true information is that they're out there and it's not that we have to chase down all of them but it but it means that we should be stronger in our apologetic of answering the questions and not be afraid whether it's our youth, whether it's 20-somethings, whether it's older people, of they can ask whatever question they want, and we have a compassionate, reasonable response for them mm. to consider uh, that's equitable to the most popular personality on the Internet. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. I think as church leaders, as pastors, as disciples, as just brothers and sisters in Christ, to have a demeanor and atmosphere where it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to, to wrestle and, and for the church to not be afraid of, of those things. You know, when people come and ask me questions, uh, there's definitely a lot of times where it's like, I don't know, I'm going to have to get back to you, <laughs> you know, and it's, 
it's okay with those that you're in relationship with, but creating that atmosphere where it, it's healthy to to ask those questions. And, and then I think for those of us that are parents and uh, praying and trying to pass on our faith to our kids is, is letting them know that it's, it's good to wrestle uh, with their faith and understand, you know, what they believe and why they believe it, because they're going to be tested on it. Mm-hmm. it, it yep. There's there's no Definitely. question about that uh, for sure. So, how do you think this has become just so prevalent? You know, uh, you know, how has this deconstruction movement uh, become so widespread? Uh, going back again to all the information sources that are out there, is that that uh, you have to admit the influence of social media is huge. And there's this attraction to watching other people on videos, whether it's the crazy dance of the day or something else. But when people go to find the answers to their questions, they're going to the same social media sources. And, and the caution with this is that there's, there's not authority. It's, you will have people that will give answers to these questions of who is Jesus, is the Bible true and reliable? And they've read one article on some other site. Uh, But because they have X amount of followers is there's an automatic authority that's attributed there. So that there's been a redefinition of what is qualitative authority in, in our younger generation's life or those that are even deconstructing instead of realizing, okay, these are truth claims that have been backed up by facts. And so I sort of need to listen to it. Or this guy has, has done us, you know, studied theology for 30 years. Now it's, the instant access to social media and because that is their main source of, of information input is they're attributing authority there when there is no authority that's actually there. It's just things that are attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's the internet, social media, like God's definitely using it in some ways, but there's also a lot of damage that comes and, I think of the Bereans, you know, in the book of Acts that Paul would come and teach them and they would hear Paul teach. And then it says every day they would search the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. And I think that's the attitude that we've got to take is getting so much information is, is it truly biblical and are we going to form our lives uh, upon the word of God? We're going to head to a break in just a little bit, but Dan, when we get back, I want to just touch on, you know, what are the things that really allows the foundation to our faith? You know, if someone's listening going, can I really trust that God's word is infallible? Did, did Jesus rise again? Is there real facts and evidence uh, for, for my faith? I know we've seen it as pastors. It, it's really hard to see someone walk away from their faith. You it know, is. It, it, it is. It's heartbreaking. It is uh, definitely heartbreaking. And a lot of times it's because of those questions that are there that they've asked and um you know they they like to choose what makes them personally feel good because truth doesn't always make us feel good but yeah. it does challenge us to make a decision about what we know and what is there so um those are definitely important things that the church should know and be able to respond to and e- even us as individual christians when we have those questions we don't have to be the expert apologist but to give a reasonable answer or to point them to the right place yeah so stay with us. You're listening to Crosswalk Carl Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier and then also Dr. Dan Hooker. He leads our uh, school of discipleship. If if you're thinking about going deeper in your faith, we'd welcome you to come check out our school of discipleship. It's a two-year 
program, big commitment, class on Tuesday nights, but you go deep into God's Word and understand what you believe. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Dr. Dan Hooker is with me as well. He's on our pastoral team. Hope that you're doing well, that your drive home is going well. Today we're talking about deconstructing your faith. And maybe you're wrestling with, with your faith and or you know somebody who has deconstructed their faith that once was a believer and now is claiming to, to not be a believer. You know, Dan, how, how would you respond, you know, to somebody who is deconstructing or how would you help coach, you know, someone who's walking alongside someone who is deconstructing? I think, well, first thing I do is ask them to have coffee or lunch because uh, time, giving somebody time is communicates a value to them yeah. as important. And it's uh, realizing that they're able to ask these questions, that they're not going to be treated like a heretic, that they're not going to be looked down upon, uh, but consider it an investment that you're spending time with them discussing these things as well. And so, you know, as in us having an attitude of grace and, and not being stuck in a mentality that you can never ask questions, but that we're we're willing to spend times for those th- things because we want them mm. uh, to become a secure in the knowledge of their faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think sometimes we can be intimidated by their questions or even offended. And so we back off when maybe we should be pressing in and mm-hmm. send that text yes. to, to have lunch and, and to, mm-hmm. to be with them. Yeah, that's good. And then we can, we can fall into the same byproduct of being an instant culture. You know, we want right. things immediate instead of us realizing it's going to take time and effort with someone that we need to be willing to give that. And again, I refer back to if you, if we saw the disciples when they were first chosen to win uh, after they saw Christ at the resurrection before Pentecost, totally different disciples, mm-hmm. you know? And so this, the same thing with people that are deconstructing and are legitimately looking at the validity of their faith with these questions is that we need to, have those conversations with them in a way that's not condescending, looking down upon, but truly wanting to walk with them through finding the answers for them. Yeah, that's really good. You printed off an article that I wanted to refer to, uh, The Six Pillars of Religious Deconstruction uh, by Keith Gills. And you can tell he's clearly uh, deconstructed, uh, but he says that the first pillar of Christian deconstruction is the Bible um, and really starts to pick pick apart specifically that the Bible is inspired. You know, and Paul writes to Timothy and tells us that the word of God is is inspired, that it's, it's, it's God, God breathed. And so let's wrestle with that a little bit. Um, you know, someone that says you can't trust the Bible or it's filled with uh, discrepancies, you know, What's the evidence that points to the validity of Scripture that is indeed truth? Well, there's there's a lot. And uh, so like a first term for school of discipleship, we'll be going through, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Norm Geisler and Frank Turek. And there's a section in there that has the apologetic of the New Testament particularly. And there's several things, and, and not to go through all of those, one of the biggest evidences for me was the amount 
of evidence outside of the Bible. So we're talking something that's outside of Scripture that that validated the trial, the crucifixion, and the resurrection as proclaimed by the disciples by other people. And um, if this was totally mythological, the the people that are outside of Christianity that documented this would say that this is mythological, this is a story, this wasn't true. And so even the places that attribute uh, the theme of Jesus' resurrection, that the disciples saying he was resurrected and seen, um, is huge uh, for that truth Yeah. also. Yeah. One of the things that stands out to me of the power and validity of the scriptures is the fulfilled prophecy. You know, there's... There's no other book uh, that has so many specific prophecies that have been uh, fulfilled. And so if you're wrestling with the scriptures, can I trust it? I would look at those fulfilled prophecies and you can even just focus in on the life of Christ. You know, his his birth, that born in Bethlehem of mm-hmm. a virgin, his crucifixion predicted in Psalms 22 and Isaiah 53, his resurrection in Psalm 16, all of these things were called out beforehand, hundreds of years before Christ Mm -hmm. came. And it really points to uh, the validity of scripture and prophecy. How about, um, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion about uh, the original manuscripts and, you know, does that add to our faith or take away? Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, the the Dead Sea Scrolls, the amount of, New Testament uh, manuscripts that we have, and the uh, um, and this is when you're comparing it with uh, manuscripts of the same time frame. There's no other manuscripts within the world that compares to the Bible. Okay, so there's there's pieces of manuscripts that's down to the let's say the first disciple after the disciples. So you're talking removed from the disciples by maybe. 30 years to 40 years, there's, there's no other manuscript of the same time that has that. And so if, if you start to, like one of the ones I use is, uh, you know, Homer's writings, Iliad and Odyssey, the closest manuscript that we have to Homer and it's attributed to him is a thousand years after him. Wow. But yet we attribute it to Homer as being the author of it as well. And so with the, the plethora of manuscripts of the New Testament and that validity of of how close they are to the original authors is is far beyond any of the other documents, whether it's Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, whether it's uh, Caesar and what he wrote, and things like that at the same time. And then with the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not familiar with those, is those were found in Qumran, a cave uh, off the Dead Sea, and they're much older than any... Old Testament scrolls that we had prior, but they match up just mm-hmm. amazingly to the ones that were hundreds of years newer. And so the the Hebrews, the Jews, the way that they took such detail in copying over uh, those those scrolls really points to uh, the validity of of scripture. You know, so hopefully I'm communicating clearly, but you've got one copy and you find a much older copy and they match up, yeah. you know? And so it's just, it's just amazing. And, and you can go to, to Israel and you can see the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, they- yeah, At their museum. At their museum. So it's awesome and it, it's really uh, powerful. But this seems to be where deconstruction really starts. You know, yeah, when Satan 
came against Eve in the garden and Adam for saying, has God really said, you know, mm-hmm. he questioned the, the word of God. And, and when we start to question the authority of God's word in our lives, it'll either lead to sin, you know, or it can even lead to deconstruction if we're not, not careful. And so we want to really be on guard when, again, like we've talked about, it's not wrong to ask those questions and examine those questions, but realize that, the enemy would love to get us to a place where we reject the word of God and reject the authority of the word. And I think that's the very first place, because as soon as they're able to destroy it as God's word and say it's just man's myth, is that's where the rest of it begins to fall apart. But if they would only objectively look at Scripture in comparison with other documents written at the same time, they'll see that the validity far surpasses that the historicity of the New Testament and Old Testament far surpasses the contemporary documents that were written at the same time. Yeah. You know, a common argument that you hear about the Bible is is that there's contradictions. Mm -hmm. But when I study the Bible, I don't find contradictions. You know, you've got 66 different books, a lot of different authors over a a lot of years, and the message is unified and goes together uh, perfectly. So I think that's a real easy one for people to throw out there. Maybe we can talk about more of it after the break is just, well, the Bible contradicts itself. It's like, well, show me, <laughs> show yep. me where the Bible uh, contradicts uh, itself. And it's, it's really easy to kind of pick apart the Bible uh, without uh, reading the Bible. You know, something that is listed in this article by Keith Gills is, you know, that the, the Bible is homophobic, that it oppresses women and demonizes homosexuals and And when you open the scriptures, that's just not the case. So we're going to tackle that when we get back from the break. Stay with us. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Dr. Dan Hooker is with me. He is one of our pastors on our staff and really appreciate his friendship and labor in the Lord has a huge heart for discipling and apologetics. And we're talking about deconstruction and can you trust the word of God and this easy complaint that people make about the scriptures that the Bible contradicts itself and also that the the Bible oppresses women and demonizes homosexuality. Want to tackle that for a few minutes, Dan? There's there's (laughs) a lot there. All right. So, uh, I think it was, uh, if I'm remembering my books right, Jay Warner Wallace wrote Cold Case Christianity. And so, and he was an unbeliever when he started examining Christianity and, and the truth claims. And so even with scripture and he examines that part that, you know, he, as a police officer, because he was a detective as a police officer is that he was able to assemble the biographical or the, uh, the biographies that they were written and realize that at times, especially like with the Gospels, it's like you have four different guys with four different perspectives. Even though they're with Jesus, they weren't always at the same place at the same time remembering those things. So a lot of the, the truth claims of contradictions are multiple witness accounts as well. And then the second point with that, and this is a much harder, makes my, much harder answer, but makes my head hurt, is trying to study Hebrew language and literature we can't have Western eyes trying to redefine that. Mm. And so if you can imagine a, an alphabet that has no vowels originally, because that's Hebrew, mm-hmm. until they had vowel markings later, 
And so when they write things, and whether it's general and, and there's 260,000 or whether it's specific 262,300 in the culture at that time, you know, it, they would have accepted it as normal. Um, and then the space written between those two things as well. So some of these arguments really do get deflated when they say, oh, look, there's contradictions here and there. And they could be ex- explained within the cultural literature at the time that it was written. Yeah. Or multiple yeah. witness account. I think if a person reads the Bible honestly with an open heart and mind, you'll find that there's tremendous unity in the Bible instead of mm-hmm. contradictions. There and is. It's, it's easy for people to try to shoot holes in the Bible, but when you read it, it's like, man, this is a unified document with a central message of Jesus. And then, you know, this, this idea of demonizing homosexuality is, I see the Bible as uh, an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> you know, the Bible yep. says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and God calls out homosexual, homosexuality as a sin, but also heterosexual uh, sin as well outside of marriage, uh, male and female committed to each other in, inside of, of marriage. And so the Bible calls lying a sin and covetousness a sin and, and when we sin in our anger. And, and so it really does bring us to a place of not demonizing homosexuality, but homosexuality is a sin like a lot of other sins, and we're a, a sa- we need a savior, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's a fair claim uh, as well uh, that the Bible demonizes homosexuality or oppresses women. You know, where historically, where a Christianity has gotten hold of a culture, you see women really elevated uh, in society and, and treated the way that God uh, intended. So. But yeah, I think in terms of deconstruction, this this is really where it starts is the authority of of God's word. So definitely, okay. definitely. The second thing that Keith Gills lists in his article is uh, eternal torment. This seems to turn people away from from Christ and and some that uh, had claimed to be believers uh, prior. Why do you think the teaching of of hell is so unpopular <laughs> because nobody wants to be held responsible for doing something wrong. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. what it boils down to. And even if we go back to uh, the first part that you were talking about is they don't want to be held accountable to do what's right. It's like, no, I want to do what I want to do, you know? And, and you know, the first four chapters of Genesis are, Critical, And if you think the first four chapters, and even if you go through six, if you think the first four chapters is just a fairy tale story, then it's true. You, you know, the plan of salvation falls apart. All of this falls apart because, you know, God is creator. God is authority. Our identity, our design, all of that falls apart because it's all encapsulated within the first four chapters. And so if you throw that one out and say, well, you know, I think it's mythological and I really don't believe it, then you have a hard time with these other things. And so if you can imagine being with God in the garden, yes, you still have work because you have to tend the garden. You have no lack, you have no need, you have, you have perfect peace. There's still experience. You're experiencing new things. And God has, has given you these boundaries for continued existence. And then there's someone that comes in and, and gives you the con and creates that question of doubt within you. And so 
there you are with this this question and you begin to think that the the perfect one who has created you is a liar and that, and that's you know where it it starts at mm-hmm. and so but if you look at you talked about what scripture says if you if you look at that and you know you see the continued thread of love throughout the entirety of scripture of that corruption that happened in the garden of God continuously trying to love to woo back to win his choice creation of humanity and providing a way for it. And and there's some other points that he brings up in his article, but you know, John three 16 is huge for God. So loved the world he gave, you know, it doesn't say he sent, he punished, you know, is that he provided the means of a restored relationship and a means of purification to be able to exist in his presence, because that's, that's the, the key point of about the crucifixion of Christ, mm-hmm. of what happens to us to be able to exist in God's presence and of no longer sinning. Um, but if you go to 17 and 18 and read that all the way through 320 in, in John chapter 3, it's the same thing, is that even though this is here, is they still chose this. And uh, um, the guy I listened to you presented, is, you know, God's grace produces two effects. It either produces humility and belief or it produces hardness. Hmm. But it's the same thing. Yeah. Is is two people is is God's grace is extended to both of them, but their response to it that he that he leaves to us is what is critical. Yeah. Yeah. So. The John three passage is really paramount when it comes to the doctrine of heaven, also the doctrine of hell, where and I love how you put it, where Jesus starts with his provision. It's his intent to give us eternal life, and it's that rejection of the grace that results in us uh, going going to hell. You know, I kind of want to focus just this last couple minutes on if you're wrestling with your faith, is first come to Jesus, and Jesus is ready, big enough to handle your questions. I think of doubting Thomas mm-hmm. and the conversation that he had with Christ. And for those listening today that are like, man, I'm in this place where, where I'm wrestling— Seriously, go to the Lord and and wrestle with him and ask those questions, but then also reach out to trusted believers. And I know for a lot of people, uh, we're strangers to them, but if they want to call the church office and talk with us, we would love to to talk with them and, and be willing to sit down here at the church and, and wrestle with some questions. They, yeah. Black, co- black coffee, coffee's on us. Give us a call at Rocky Mountain Calvary. You can Google us and we would love to talk with you if you're wrestling with tough questions in your faith. And so thanks so much for listening. Dr. Dan, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Well, I just want to remind you that you can find this on our podcast, Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere that you find uh, your podcasts. And know that the Lord really does want us to come to him uh, with our questions and with our wrestling. And there is evidence for our faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us now faith is the evidence of things not seen. So it's not just based on our feelings. It's based on evidence of creation and the validity of scripture. So thanks again for listening. Having a blessed night until next time. And treasures that fade are never enough. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.